It's time for Fish Facts TV. And welcome to Fish Casting, the fishing podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Hey there, Tanner. I'm Captain Tim. All right, guys, we apologize. It's been uh, a month. This might be the longest we've ever gone. But, you know, with the holidays, travel, this, that, the other, um, you know, we haven't had time to do as many videos as we would have liked to. Um, wait, has it been since the holidays, Tim, or, do, or did we have another one uh, in between? I think we're at three weeks here. I, I think we had one just after New Year's. So, um, well, maybe it's been, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, we blends. did. Yeah, we did have one just after New Year's, I do recall. Um, yep, Homosassa Springs, South Beach Snapper. Uh, yeah, so we oh. did have one since our holiday special. episode. All right, but let's get going with this. You mind if I lead off, or do you have any other opening shots? No, go for it. Um, ready to go. Excited to be back in the driver's seat, and uh, look forward to hearing about your uh, fishing adventures. All right, I had two kayak trips. Um, pretty different areas. I guess I will start out in chronological order. So two weekends ago, we had a day where it was just glass. Wind was like one knot. Um, you know, just one of those days where the ocean looks like a lake. Um, mm. I really wanted to go out in a boat, but due to some work stuff, I only had a couple hours in the morning. So I decided to take the kayaks off of South Beach, just like I had been doing uh, in the previous uh, discussions that I had, really looking for yellow jacks and lane snappers. So we went out there uh, to the spot we've been hitting in, in, the, in the last episode, and it just wasn't doing it. You know, it, it it's the biggest rock pile that's close to the beach, and we got a it was so covered in grunts. I think I dropped a sabiki twice and each time I caught five grunts uh, on a single mm. drop. So just there were so many grunts. Uh, we, we couldn't really do anything. I think we might have gotten one small lane, uh, but it wasn't very good. So I, I looked back on my map and I found a new spot that was a little bit further out. Still, you know, 500 yards from the beach, so a little further off. Um, so we went over there and the second spot was just, I had thought the lanes that I were catching before were big. These lanes really put them to shame. Um, just, I mean, I actually caught less lanes. My friend, what he did, he had a pink bucktail that he was tipping with live shrimp and he caught, I think three lanes over 15 inches. So you know, real, real thick lanes. You know, I was catching good ones. Almost everyone I caught was a keeper, 10, 11 inches. But my buddy, man, he was putting some of the biggest lanes I've ever seen. I think the biggest one he caught must have been 18 inches, but it flipped out before he could get it in the cooler. Um, oh. And then he measured two, and I think one was 16 and one was 17. And both of those were clearly smaller uh, than the one that got away. That's pretty wild. Those are big lanes, uh, especially for that close, like right in off the beach, kayaks. I mean, that's, that's pretty wild, man. Good for you guys. 
Yeah, it was awesome. I think we ended up with about 10 each on the lanes, mostly at that spot that I'd never fished before. So it was uh, pretty productive, but I, just because it was so flat, I wanted to try my amberjack spot, which is about 1.3 miles from shore. Probably uh, a little unwise, but I really wanted to get out there and it was so flat. So we did it. We made the trip. It took us about 30, 45 minutes to get out there, um, covered in bait, but the Amberjacks weren't there. You know, it, it was kind of disappointing that we took that ride. Um, we still caught fish. I caught a couple more lanes there. Um, I caught about an 11 inch trigger fish. Um, and my buddy did get one Amberjack, but they weren't thick, uh, like they were back in December. Although, what was thick was the blue runners. Um, I don't think I'd ever seen that many blue runners in my life. And my, my friend had him going on the jig and he said he probably caught 30 blue runners, just, you know, one after another, after another, these eight to 12 inch blue runners, which are fun, but you know, for a seasoned angler like me, it's, it's just a little bit disappointing um, catching blue runners. So at least we got the one amberjack. So I wouldn't say that going out there was a total wash, but considering how good the spot closer to the beach was, I don't intend to go all the way out there again on a kayak. It's just, you know, questionably safe. Um, and even though we did end up getting one of the amberjacks, it's just so much easier to do in the boat. And it, I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah, that's a long way to go. Um, that's a heck of a paddle. And, you know, although it's it's calm, I know you know this, you know, currents and things like that can affect your drift. Now, you said it was covered in bait. Like, what kind of bait are we talking about there when you got out to that AJ spot? You know, I was throwing the sabiki and all I was catching on the sabiki was pinfish. But something was showering on the surface. It looked like a bigger sardine. Um, I, I can't say for sure whether it was a large pilchard, a large threadfin herring. But, you know, some some clupidae is the family. So that's the pilchard sardines, you know, just like the the real generic white bait, but like those larger, you know, four to five inch uh, bait fish. Yeah, you know, it just it, it's just surprising that it wasn't lit up with amberjacks or other predatory fish having all that bait there. Um, <clears throat> I know you had the blue runners going and everything, but. You know, that, that is frustrating and, and surprising to me that it wasn't better. Did you guys throw any big baits down by any chance? Yeah, I actually trolled a live pinfish all the way back to the beach from the spot, drifted the live pinfish. And don't get me wrong, it was a little bit bigger pinfish. It would have taken, you know, a little bit stouter of a fish to take down. But I did troll, slow troll that pinfish behind the kayak for the whole mile back in. And uh, it didn't even get touched. Oh, darn. Well, you know, sometimes it's it's uh, one of those things where, you know, you think you're doing it all right. I mean, that makes sense to me that, that you'd probably get a strike on that pinfish, long trip back, got to be some predators in the area. But, um, you know, I hate to hear that it didn't work out. But, you know, you caught some uh, legendary size lane snapper close to shore. So not all bad. Not all bad. And, you know, my friend's girlfriend was just getting home uh, from a trip with some friends. So he wanted to get some fish for her. So he had plenty of lane snapper for his girlfriend. Oh, well, that's great. And what a tasty fish, too. So I'm sure his girlfriend was very pleased. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, do you want me to go straight into my next kayak trip, or do you want to talk about the hunting? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about hunting, uh, break it up a little bit. Um, this past week, uh, I was in uh, Alabama, western Alabama, where I, I was at a month ago, um, doing my whitetail adventures. Um, you know, not not to ruin the surprise, but uh, this this season didn't work out for me the way I was hoping it would. Um, I'm kind of at a point in my, I don't want to call it a career, but in my hunting, um, career that, you know, I'm, I'm very particular with any of the, uh, male deer that I shoot the bucks. Um, you know, first and foremost, my goal is to fill the freezer, uh, with, with high quality protein. So, um, that's what my wife and I eat on all year long. So, um, I got a couple does in the early portion of the season. So that commitment was, um, you know, pretty much satisfied, but, uh, you know, it's nice to get, um, to get a buck, um, you know, they're, they're harder to get, um, generally speaking. So, um, I hunted hard, I hunted really hard, long days, um, out in, in, you know, semi-favorable conditions, not the best. It was a little warm, a little rainy, um, but it was just tough, man. Um, mostly I was hunting, um, over clear cuts and things like that, just travel corridors, because it's the rut right now. Um, the rut is when the male deers are, are chasing the females trying to reproduce. So generally speaking, they're, they're more willing to be less reclusive and put themselves out into open areas and, and do stupid things, which, you know, males, male members of different species are known to do that when uh, loving's on their mind. So, um, it didn't, it didn't happen for me. I, I saw a lot of bucks, um, just nothing that I was willing to harvest. Um, you know, th there's a lot of debate in the hunting communities and I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole, but, um, talk talking about antler size versus maturity of the deer, um, antler, antler size isn't always a great indication of, of how old the deer is. And the idea, uh, where I hunt is to harvest mature deer. So mature deer are four years and older. Um, they're expressing, you know, most of their antler growth potential. And those are the ones you want to um, harvest. So uh, I didn't see any of those mature deer. I saw some nice deer, some real, real young deer, two and a half, three and a half year old deer, uh, judging by, you know, the characteristics that I saw. Um, but, but nothing I was willing to shoot. So my, um, my trophy room, so to speak, and it's not a trophy room by any means, but um, I'm, I'm pretty full up with, um, with, with deer and I don't think, uh, um, I'm going to be targeting any, I'm not going to be harvesting any, uh, any bucks that are smaller than what I have. So, uh, and I got some good ones. So, um, I got a lot of work ahead of me in, in the coming years. Uh, if I want to, if I want to get a buck and, uh, hopefully a lot of luck too. So, um, that being said, I did get a doe um, to top off the freezer, and I helped out my buddy with his pig um, population control, and I was able to harvest a um, about 120-pound sow pig um, to get that out of his property as well. So all good there. Um, <clears throat> I did have a little bit of a crazy story. My, my buddy, who I'm, I'm hunting on his land, he had a wedding to go to this last weekend, and the day before he, he left for the wedding, he ended up shooting this buck and uh it was up to me and another friend to find it because he had to jet he was hitting the road he's like hey guys if you can go get this deer for me you know this is where i went in this is where the blood was anyways we track this deer all over creation we're in the swamps we're in the briars 
we're going all over the place, end up having to um, <clears throat> give it some time to, uh, it, you know, hopefully expire and brought in some dogs to, uh, to help us because we, we kind of ran out of blood and I'll be darned. It was a beautiful 10 point and, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't all glamorous when we were looking for it. Sometimes it gets difficult, but, um, you know, you owe it, you, you have a commitment to that animal that, um, you know, you mortally wounded to find it. So, um, it took a, a lot of effort in the woods and, um, you know, I was very happy to be a part of the team that found that deer. Um, and it was a really nice deer taken off the property. So I would have been happy with it. So I was a little jealous, but you know, that's just how it goes. So all in all a good trip, my freezer is full. I got hogs, I got deer, I'm ready to go for the next year. And, um, before you know it, we'll be knocking on turkey season. So um, <laughs> hopefully more fun stories to come. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, a couple questions. So you said 120-pound sow. Is that a pretty typical size for them around there? Or that sounds pretty big. Yeah, that's – I mean, you're generally speaking, um, the sows that are harvested off that chunk of property are in between – you know, 80 to a hundred pounds. Um, you know, that's kind of your, your cookie cutter size for the sows. Um, they'll get larger boars. So the male hogs, you know, up over 200 pounds, um, over there. I mean, there's, there's been rumors of some that are cruising the woods that, you know, some of the old boys in that neck of the woods say, Oh, it was 500 pounds. It stood, you know, four feet off the ground, you know, hogzilla stories, but, um, yeah, 120 pound sow, that, that's pretty good size. And that's on the, um, you know, in, in my mind, I don't have any problem eating wild pig. I know we've discussed at length about, you know, how you prepare the meat and how you take care of it before you butcher the meat. Um, you know, that that's, that's, you know, the name of the game to me. I, I head shoot the, the hogs that I shoot. I mean, it's lights out. I get them back to camp. I, uh, I, I get them gutted right away and uh, I get the meat off, off the bones and, and on ice for a few days before I wrap and freeze. And I haven't had a bad experience, you know, um, folks that, that, you know, leave the guts in for a long time or, or, you know, may, maybe don't make an ethical kill shot on the pig and it runs forever and they leave it out and, you know, it gets warm, then you may have problems. But, um, I look forward to, to eating this, this pig. It was a, a nice surprise and, and bonus. I was happy to bring home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then second question, uh, is related to the deer. So was the deer dead when you found it or did you have to slit its throat or something uh, once you guys finally found it with the dogs? Yeah, um, unfortunately for the deer, it actually was still alive when we found it. Um, it, uh, it was one of those things. It's, it's part of hunting. It's happened to me. It's happened to, you know, it's not about if it's going to happen. It's when it's going to happen. If you do any serious hunting, um, sometimes mistakes are made. And, um, it, it doesn't always go the, the way you'd like it to go. It, it's not always lights out like it was for that hog. Um, the deer, it, it I guess, uh, my friend, the shot was not where he thought it was. Um, maybe there was some obstruction or something like that. And, the, and his, his bullet glanced, but, um, it was a, a, a mortal hit. It was just going to take a long time for the deer to expire. Um, so I'm glad we could get on that deer with the help of those dogs and um and kind of you know put it out of its misery so it, it's um you know it's unfortunate it does happen you know I, I i don't take hunting lightly it is an emotional thing um you know anytime you're killing something it is a big deal so um i was very glad to to, to help you know and end that animal suffering as quickly as possible and um you know it just it just took a lot of effort to get there so 
yeah, unfortunately, uh, uh, that happened, but we were able to we we're able to to get it um, dispatched as quickly and as humanely as possible. All right, all right. Well, I guess I will move on to my second trip this last weekend. Um, I decided to take the kayak somewhere I haven't been in a long time. Uh, it was really windy, so there's few places I can fish. You know, I fished that one creek with snook for a while, and it's really buggy, and I just wasn't really feeling that. So I wanted to try to find somewhere in the bay uh, where I could find a beach and then if it was like sheltered by an island um, and based on the direction of the wind, I actually found a spot that I used to fish a lot. Um, actually, a lot of my videos were at back in like the 2018 or I guess 2019, 2020 time frame. I used to take the John boat there all the time. I'd never been there in the kayak. So I just put in off this little beach in the bay and paddled out to my old spot um, right behind this little small key. And this spot where, you know, I wanted to catch two things. I wanted to catch mangrove snappers and yellow jacks. And I, I got five dozen shrimp. And so I got the kayak, I anchored up and almost instantly I got a mangrove snapper and a Jack Raval. Um, and then I went a little bit further around deeper to the spot, anchored up, um, started out catching mangroves. I think I caught about 10 mangroves, maybe two or three keepers you know, with the biggest one being 12 inches. So not huge, uh, but pretty decent mangrove snapper. Um, and then something changed. I think the current picked up a little bit and the yellow jacks just showed up in a cloud. Um, and about for the next hour, about every other cast, I caught a yellow jack. So I think I ended up with close to 30 yellow jacks altogether. Um, wow. Not big ones. You know, most of them were in that probably nine to 14 inch range. So you know, not huge fish, but, you know, I was on 15 pound test, um, just fishing a little fish finder rig with about a quarter ounce weight. Uh, at first I was using whole live shrimp. I ended up switching to a half live shrimp and I was just moving it a little bit on the bottom. And it was just one after another, after another, it was just a really, really incredible, you know, two or three hour. I was back by 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, just, one yellow jack after another and just really every single one of them put up a good fight on that light tackle setup. Nice. Now, you know, when, when you first started the story, you said going out by myself, five dozen shrimp. I'm thinking that's going to be a lot of shrimp. Did you go <laughs> through all of them? Were you able to burn through all of them? I used every single shrimp. Wow. That's a lot of shrimp, man. That's uh that's remarkable. And you were using halves. Yeah. So, no, you know, when cool. you get into the yellow jacks and snapper like that, you know, I, I had a couple grunts mixed in too. You know, you, you just need a lot of shrimp. That, that's what I've been using fishing off the beach for those lanes and grunts too. You know, just getting a lot of shrimp because, you know, if there's grunts and snapper around, you can blow through shrimp pretty quickly. Definitely. You know, sometimes that's what it takes when I, when I do some ledge fishing in the wintertime, whenever the weather's nice. I mean, it was great today. It'll be great tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, but not on the weekend. Um, I'll bring out 20 or 30 dozen, depending on how many people we have. So I get, I understand. I definitely get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, a little short on the stories today. So, so we don't leave you guys too quickly. We are going to talk about the spiny dogfish shark, the spiny dogfish shark. Wallace uh, Acanthius, 
also called the spur dog, the mud shark, and the hiked dogfish is a type of dogfish that lives on the east coast of the United States, South America, Mediterranean Sea, and Australia. Kind of a weird distribution. Tim, have you ever uh, caught a spiny dogfish before? You know, when, when you were mentioning it, I thought maybe I had um, until you told me that the, the regions that they inhabit. Um, I caught what they were calling a dogfish, what they were calling a dog shark out in Alaska. I caught a ton of them when I was halibut fishing. Um, I know they're in Australia, but I, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they're not up in Alaska. So uh, I guess I haven't caught that exact species, what we're talking about today. So no real knowledge on it. Um, how about you? What can you tell me about? Oh, so I believe, Tim, you caught the Pacific spiny dogfish, uh, oh, a close, so close cousin. So, you know, so you, you can obviously, they're not the exact same, but it seems like they're very close uh, species. We used to catch a lot of them up in New York fishing for blackfish. Um, you know, they're, they were fun to catch. Um, some people said they were good to eat. I never personally ate them, but they would come in pretty thick. And sometimes we would get into schools where we were just catching one after another, after another. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I experienced with the Pacific spiny dogfish is the, uh, the charter guides we were with catching halibut. I mean, once a couple were caught, they're just like, we're getting the heck out of here because they just said the whole area would be inundated with them. I probably caught 30 throughout the day. Um, they're, they're a real menace. So I understand uh, what you're talking about when you're black fishing up, uh, up there because they can really be annoying, especially when you're not targeting them. Yeah, so I looked it up. The Pacific spiny dogfish, Squalus suckley, um, looks very, very similar. Oh, it says this species is closely related. Uh, and for many years, they were treated as a single species. So these two fish are kissing oh. cousins, your Pacific version and my North Atlantic version. Um, again, I enjoyed catching them, but our, our local friends up in the Northeast did not have the same amount of passion for them as I did. I, you know, I, I can see that. Um, you know, I do remember them hitting pretty strongly, um, but we're using really big gear for these halibut. You know, when we're trying to catch trophy class halibut, you know, even a four foot shark, um, you know, doesn't put up a, a whole lot of fight when using this big gear. So uh, maybe with some light tackle, um, they could, they could put up quite a tussle, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I just kept getting excited every time I'd hook one thing and it was a big old jumbo halibut only to be let down. All right. All right. Well, Tim, uh, do you have any fishing plans for this coming week? No, uh, unfortunately, as I kind of was whining about earlier, um, the forecast this weekend is 20 to 25 knot winds, both Saturday and Sunday. Today, I think the max winds offshore was about five knots. So um, I think I'm going to be doing some gardening this weekend or, or who the heck knows what, some honey-do list stuff because it's just, it's even too windy to, to go inshore. That's the inshore uh, um, forecast I'm talking about. So I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe I'll get squirrely and do something, um, waiting or something. I, I don't know, but I'm highly doubtful. I've spent the last two weekends out of town hunting. So I, I think I'll probably be... Um, hanging out with my loving wife and, uh, and, uh, doing something around the house. Well, that's you? 
Sounds like fun. Um, you know, I may be going on a work trip to the Florida Keys, so still uh, unclear. But if I do go down there, you know, I, I will be probably fishing uh, some spots along the way. So as of now, it's still a little bit up in the air. But when I know for sure, um, I will report back. I would love to catch a couple little uh, rare lane snapper and yellowtails, you know, two of my favorite <laughs> fish that I never catch here in Miami. Um, that are a little bit more plentiful in the Keys. Yeah, man, that sounds nice. And and I'm going down to the Keys in April for work as well. So if you find any hot spots, you got to let me know. Uh, um, I may be able to sneak away while I'm down there. All right, or you could sneak by and pop in and say hello to me on your way down. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. It depends on how how uh, how work how how much leniency they'll let me go for when I'm trailering a boat down there. Well, all right, guys. Remember, like and um, subscribe. You know, I did the one on YouTube and it looked like I got a lot of views, but like every, the average view length was two minutes and it was like 35 minutes long. So I'm going to go back to just posting them on the on the podcast app, but leave us a nice review. Give us five stars and uh, thanks for tuning in, Tim. Yeah, thanks, everyone. And, and you know, I, I just want to touch one more time on, you know, my hunting trip. Um you know, I debated on sharing that story just because it's not glamorous, it's not sexy, but it is it is part of hunting, and a, and a lot of folks don't don't or won't talk about that side of things. So um, I hope it didn't upset anyone, um, but it is part of it. So um, I thought it was important to share. So thanks for listening, and uh, tune in next week or whenever we can get together. All right, thanks for uh, thanks for telling us, Tim. <laughs>